Hello, Jordan. What's going on, Michael? I'm on life monkey tilt, as you know. <laughs> I'm about to throw my my podcasting microphone through this TV, maybe break a window. We'll see. Having we'll see some, where this rage leads me. Some real technical difficulties. And if they continue again, I have a feeling this podcast will never, ever be recorded another time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lesson in here. There's a real lesson in here for all you coaches and content creators. I'm not exactly sure what it is because I'm trying to learn it myself, but there's definitely a lesson in here. To create some context, we've been trying to record this podcast now for about half an hour and uh, we've been having some real technical difficulties with it. And I, I'm foreseeing this pod, if this pod, if you actually hear this podcast, if this actually gets published, then it's uh, a miracle. I'll be shocked. I'll be super surprised if this podcast ends being published and not with Mike's computer through the window. So. <laughs> right now we're good though. We're smooth sailing for this through this first minute. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Let's uh let's power on. All right. What do you want to start with, Michael? What do you want to start with, Jordan? Well, I'm just going to throw it right back at me like that. Um, <laughs> overall, no, I, the, I, I, I know what I want to start with. Okay. We didn't, we didn't, so we had a, we had a, we had a disappearing December act, which was partly intentional and mostly unintentional. And then we came back strong in the start of 2021 with the podcast. And then we missed last week because Jordan and I were in Miami working on one, the book, we have a we have a very firm April first publisher's deadline for final copy, so we're going hard on the book right now. And two, as you know, the the mentorship launch and other work just improving and, and continuing to work on the mentorship. Yeah, but it was a great it was a great week. It was a super productive week. It was um, number one. We got a lot done on the book. We now have a new writing schedule for the book, which we're you know, both excited and anxious about at the same time. It's, we have an, we have an unbelievable amount of work to do on the book. And, and after the book is published and after some time settles, we have a ridiculous story to tell you about the book, just like some unbelievably ridiculous. I can see Mike looking at me now. He's like, don't say it. Don't say it. Just some outrageous things that we've had to go through with the whole process of it that will make for a great story once everything is over. So uh, we're, we're excited about it, though. The book is turning out to be something we're very proud of. Uh, we really, really like it. We think it's going to help a lot of people. Um, and then the mentorship, you know, this is going to be our third year doing it. And uh, I'm, I'm consistently amazed by how well the the people the coaches are doing in there uh coaches starting from literal scratch starting from absolutely zero who who don't have a website who don't have much on social media if anything who've like not really done much coaching before then throughout the course of a year building up some tremendous knowledge creating incredible content helping people i think you know that's one of my favorite parts about doing this type of stuff is coaching people is great. Like I love fitness coaching because I love helping people. But one of the, th the reasons I love doing the mentorship with you is because we help coaches become better coaches and also build a bigger audience so then they can help more people. So just if you think about it like that, we, by extension, help more people. It's just not directly through fitness coaching. We help 
through these coaches become better, more confident. A lot of them are nervous at the beginning to put themselves out there on social media, to put themselves out there on podcasts or YouTube or website articles. So to see that a lot of them coming into their own and, and helping a, a tremendous number of people is amazing. Yeah, it feels really good. And you're exactly right. It's that ripple effect of it's, it's, a, it's leverage. It's a force multiplier. You and I individually could only work with so many people, but by helping others, you, we can reach further and reach more people. There was, I don't want to overstate our productivity and dominance this week, even though it was an incredible week. I think it was day four when we were procrastinating writing and went down to the pool at probably like 11 or 12 o'clock and we're sitting there. And I think, did someone walk by with a mojito or a strawberry daiquiri or something? Oh, no, no. I decided I was going to get a mojito. I was like, I'm going to have one mojito. Oh, just... You just decide, I, okay, I thought yeah. you saw something that, all right. No, no, I was, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to have a mojito. But I, in my mind, I was also like, I can have a mojito and still work. I was like, I'm, I'm like a Hemingway, right? I could still write <laughs> yeah, with yeah, a little yeah. alcohol in me. And then after I got one, you got one, right? I'm and, not a Hemingway. No, did you, did you get a mojito or did you get? I got a passion fruit flavored mojito. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the mojito. And then I saw someone walk by with a strawberry daiquiri and I said, that looks incredible. And so then I got one of those and then you tried mine and you were like, I'll get one too. And then I got a third and that's when the day was over. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think that was a good midweek reset. Just a little, you know, nice little buzzed walk on the beach, swim in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't work. Came back strong the next day. I think that, that day break in the middle of the, of the week actually made us more productive than if we kept trying to be outrageously productive that day. It's like, because we took that one day break, we had three really productive days on either side of it. I agree. I agree. Oh, we should also make sure everyone knows if you're, there's a link in the show notes. Okay. And this link is going to take, you're going to get a free manual. How many tips are in this manual, Mike? 30. 30 tips in this manual to help you build your online coaching business. Even if you don't want this, if you sign up for this manual, you're going to be put on our email list. We have a huge, huge discount coming for the mentorship within the next week or two weeks. And uh, if you want to be notified as soon as that discount goes live, you need to sign up for the email list. So get that manual, look through it. We re- we think you're going to learn a lot from the manual, but either way, make sure you sign up for the email list because it's going to you're going to it's literally hundreds of dollars off the mentorship price. So uh make sure you get on there because we're going to do this launch. We do this last year we only did it once in the whole year. We might do it later on this year, but literally we only did it one time. So if you want the opportunity to sign up for a huge discount, sign up for the email list and the show notes. Yep. People have asked when we're doing the launch. That's the way to hear about it is to jump on that email list. So if you haven't already, do it now. What else? How does it feel back to be back in New York? You've got your rollerblades. Man, the rollerblades are the best. It's so funny. Like I have so many people DMing me being like, you look so happy on those rollerblades. And it's, tr- man, you can't be unhappy rollerblading. You just can't. It's so fun just constantly going around the apartment. I was rollerblading all over the city today. Just like, it's amazing. I don't know why this isn't the norm. <laughs> it makes it makes locomotion so much more fun. Locomotion? Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Just lo- locomotion, like you're moving your body. Is that the right word? I don't know. I sort of made that up. No, I, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, rollerblading is very fun and you do look tremendously happy on those rollerblades. I actually, I like breaking these episodes up into just, you know, shoot the shit and then go into questions. But one of my questions for you actually relates to this. Okay. And in this episode, I have a couple questions for you. We have a couple uh, listener questions and we'll, we'll get into all that. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and it has to do with watching you rollerblade around and goof around and have a good time. Were you impressed? Because Mike played hockey for his whole life. I have to ask, were you impressed? You didn't think I'd be able to rollerblade backwards, did you? Well, you kind of you kind of talked yourself up a little bit Damn it. down in Miami. So I oversold you were, you, myself. No, you were what I expected. But it's also hard to get a feel for, you know, when you're holding the camera. Yeah, when you were skating backwards, it, you looked solid. You're also in a small space. So you can't like, you can't really stride, right? Like you can't do a crossover in, in the hallway of your apartment. You're just kind of, you know, those little C, whatever you would call that, C stride. Um, what I was going to ask though was, so you you presumably rollerbladed around your apartment and had an absolute blast and goofed around and delivered something to your fiance and you were just having fun for three hours. Yeah. In 2017, I would argue that you would have done something like that approximately zero times during the year. On social media or in general? In life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly or, or right. Or minimal, not zero, but... Um, what do you think it is that, because I, I think it, I think it can be overwhelming, especially for new coaches, people who are new to building a business thinking like, this is what I have to do for the rest of my life. Like that level of workload in the first one, two, three years forever. Um, even if it's enjoyable work, it, it can be overwhelming. What do you think it is that has allowed you and me the opportunity to to not work as many hours if we don't want to, um, I, like you still work very hard, but to take your foot off the gas, but still be able to maintain and even grow your business. Man, that's a really good question. I, I think there's a there's a lot that goes into it. So so to sort of sum up the question, and I would say in as few words as possible is how do you work less while still growing your business? Right. Like how do you, how are you able to not, not work, not, not, not work. Like how do you work less than you used to and still grow your business? Right. Like, cause I used to work nonstop. I used to pull all nighters every week. Like, Over time, I would say though, because it's not like, all right, so you're on, you're on week two of growing your business. Like this advice doesn't really apply. It's correct. more over, over year over year. You know, it's interesting. I think that this, I think that this applies to literally any skill not just building a business to any skill in life. Um, and and I've, I've spoken about it before. I've called it goal stacking where this, and you and I talk about it. We've spoken about this in the mentorship all the time. Like we talk about picking one thing and focusing on one thing, like what, maybe two, right? So when you and I first started in the industry in the online world, we, we focused on our websites. Like that was our main focus articles, 
write articles every week, put out an amazing article. That was it. We did other stuff as well, like might have done a YouTube video here and there, posted on Facebook or Twitter, but the focus was articles. And then after I focused on articles for literally for three years, then I went to my email list and I, I really dived deep into the art of copywriting and understanding email sequences and understanding how that worked. And I did that for a year and a half, two years nonstop. And then when I started with Gary, I went hard on Instagram for like two years straight, nonstop. It was just Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. And then from there, then I went into uh, my YouTube channel. I went hard on YouTube for about a year, year and a half. And then now, now it's more my podcast, but I'm also going back between my podcast and YouTube now. The point that I'm trying to make here is you focus really hard on one thing and you become incredible at that one thing. It might not lead to anything extraordinary just from that one thing alone. It could, like it could lead to a very successful business if all you focus on is your website. I know there are people who crush their website, crush their email list, and that's all they need. They don't need Instagram. They don't need YouTube. They don't need Facebook. They just crush their website, crush their email list, and boom. But over time, over a period of three, five, seven, ten years, you'll have then built up a number of things that you are very, 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 very good at that it's in the same way it's easier to maintain muscle than it is to build muscle. Once you get to a certain point, you can maintain things and slowly grow it because you don't need any more rapid growth. You don't, it's not like, it's not like going from uh, it's not like making an extra thousand dollars a month as crazy as that might sound like it not, it's not like making that extra thousand dollars a month is going to radically change or improve your life. Like going from, going from $500 a month to $1,500 a month. Yes, that could radically improve your life. Going from $10,000 a month to $11,000 a month, probably not going to radically change your life. And I think it, it depends on the individual in terms of what is worth it to you? And you'll get to a point and you should be like, okay, I remember this. I remember Pat Flynn said this to me in 2015. He said, there comes a point in which making more money causes more problems. He's like, when you get to that point in which making more money, because you have to spend more time working, you have to spend more time away from your family, you have to spend more time focusing on whatever. It's like, up to a certain point, making more money will be great. Building your business will be great. And after that point, it will cause more problems than it will help. And I think that you'll eventually get to that point in which you can say, you know what, I can take my foot off the gas. I can still grow my business, but it's not going to be nearly as fast or as time intensive as it was before because I just need to maintain what I've done. Great answer. I don't know if that makes sense. Would you, like, what would you, cause I know you, you know, makes, makes complete sense. I, the, 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 analogy to building muscle versus maintaining muscle makes a lot of sense. And I didn't even think of it in terms of the skill development and skill stacking that occurs year over year. Um, two, two factors that I would attribute it to in addition to what you just said are one SEO having uh, website podcast and or YouTube or all of the above that have articles, videos, episodes that get search organic brand new audience traffic day after day. I mean, that's a game changer, right? Because something you worked hard on six years ago is bringing you new audience to this day. Um, and then number two on the coaching side of things, uh, I think a lot of coaches don't consider the fact that the clients who you deliver an amazing service to will, um, some of them will A, stay with you for a very long time, or B, come back to you at various points in their life when they're in need of coaching. And um, 
So whereas for your first few years, you might be working very, very hard to build a brand, build a name for yourself and uh, just have people interested in your coaching. Once you've done that for many years and given an amazing service, you're going to have people reaching back out to you who you've previously worked with. So it doesn't take more effort to, to reach those clients because they're people who already know you and want to work with you. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And just the more time you spend building it, I actually, I think about it like this for right, right now, for example, I'm training jujitsu six times a week. That is completely and utterly unsustainable in my opinion for five, seven, 10 years. I would destroy my body. But right now I'm so bad at jujitsu that I can spend more time doing it than someone who's way better at it than I am. They don't need to do it six times a week, seven times a week in order to get better. If they, they can do it three, four times a week, maintain, slightly improve, and they can also focus on other things. But I can't right now. I, I could, but my growth would be so much slower because I focus on it every day. Then I'll achieve a greater rate of success, a greater level of success more quickly. And then I can take my foot off the gas a little bit. So I think that, and this is what I mean when I say it can apply to literally anything in life. It can apply to writing. It can apply to sports. It can apply to business. It can apply literally anything. If you, if you go all in on something for a brief period of time, and by brief, it's usually, I'd say at least a year to three years, then after that, you can take the foot off the gas and, and still continue to grow because you've built up the requisite skills. I think I think it takes a relatively brief period of time to get very good at something. I think it takes a long period of time to become a, a, a top tier expert in that thing. But to get better than most people, it doesn't take that long. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. Like to get to that ninetieth percentile mm. or even higher in one to three years of hard work. But then is it worth in the jujitsu example, the wear and tear on your body to go six days a week for 15 years? Absolutely because six not. days a week for 15 years, it, but, but, but that that's not worth it for you, but that might be worth it for someone who uh, 100% of their income is going to be driven Correct. by jujitsu, who is trying to win every single tournament at the highest, highest level, who wants to be the very best in the world. Sure. Six, not even six days a week, maybe three sessions a day, six days a week, like doing everything that it takes to get there. Correct. Uh, but, but for someone whose goal is different than putting, putting in a lot of effort in the front loading the first couple of years and then taking your foot off the gas once you're to a, a level that you're happy with that you wanted to reach. Exactly. I mean, if you think like I started, my, I got my first internship when I was 14. I'm 29 now. I've been in the industry for 15 years. It's like I've been doing it literally every day for 15 years. So for me, it made sense because this is what I want to do. So I'm at like the top, top, top because I've done that for 15 years in, an, in one way, shape or form. But I don't think it would take someone 15 years to become a great coach. I think to become a great coach, it could take you three years of a lot of study, a lot of time on the floor, a lot of time coaching. And I think within three to five years, you could also make a, a significant name for yourself online by putting in a tremendous amount of work and effort. Maybe you wouldn't have the, the most, the most, the most followers. Maybe you wouldn't have like the biggest audience or the most engaged audience, but you would have a business that would succeed for sure in that brief amount of time. Yeah. This is actually a good transition for the other the other question I was going to throw out at you or just kind of thought. It's not a well-formulated question, but what what do you think of you you mentioned putting in time on the gym floor. Um what do you think of coaches who 
either one, like try personal training and don't love it, or two, uh, try to build their online business and fail in doing so. And as a result, decide that they want to help other, basically become a guru as a result of, (laughs) because it's, it's not uncommon. Thankfully, there are a lot of people who become great coaches and then from what they learned, go into helping others do it. And I'll actually shout out my former mentor, Roman, who from like 2009 for many, many years built his online business from scratch and then went into helping other people build their business. Like, he he is someone who did do a a good job of sticking with it for a long time, really delivering a good service and then helping others learn the process. And I learned a lot early on when I was interning with him. I learned a lot about the insides of his business because he actually did it versus like, okay, uh, I'm not doing this, so I'm going to go teach others how to do this. That's the difference between Roman and and these other people, right? Like Roman built a huge and massively successful fitness business, right? Like whereas so many of these other people, they'll they'll I don't know try for a couple months, maybe like and it's like haphazardly try for a couple months, maybe a year. They don't their business their fitness business doesn't pick up, and then all of a sudden you see them come out with a, a course to teach coaches how to build a fitness business. Like what the. Where did that come from? Like, yeah. Like literally four months ago, I saw you put out a, a pitch because saying that you only were accepting two online coaching clients. So act now. And now I see you saying you're teaching coaches. Like what, what is going on? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of it. Not, not a big fan of that. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's, it's much easier to try to convince people that you know how to build a business right? Like, especially like if you're in the fitness world already and you're surrounded by a bunch of coaches, this is actually an interesting topic. I know a lot of coaches when they first start out coaching and and getting online, the majority of the people who like and follow their content are other coaches, right? And they're like, well, I I don't want these. They're fine because they give them engagement, but they're not buying their services. And this is something that happened to me early on. I'm pretty sure it probably happened to you early on. Like I know a lot of people in the mentorship and mentioned this early on, like, especially for example, in the mentorship, when you get a bunch of coaches going in the mentorship and then they all follow each other and they interact with each other and they're all liking each other's content. They're like, well, this is great, but I don't have the people who need me, the people who are going to hire me following me. And this is this is a very normal thing that happens is when you, you surround yourself with other colleagues. So those are going to be the first people who follow you and engage with your content. And I think a lot of people in that situation say, oh, well, I have so many coaches following me. So I might as well try and sell to coaches then. But what they don't realize is that over time, if they kept posting, then the people who needed them would have found them. It just, it's a time thing. It's a patience thing. It's a consistency thing. Like, as we all know, same thing with fitness. It's like, it's like the person who gives up because they don't get a six pack in the first month. It's like, if you kept going, it you would have gotten there. It's the same thing with coaches online. It's like, if you kept posting, if you kept, if you didn't let your ego get in the way, if you're like, well, okay, well, I only got 15 likes and 14 of those were other coaches and the other one was my mom. It's like, okay, cool. So do this for another year. And eventually the people who need you will find you. That's it's, it will absolutely work. There's no way around it, but it's just, I think, easier for them to be like, okay, well, I want to make money now. So how can I make money now? Okay, I'm going to get these coaches to pay me for something that I have no idea what I'm talking about. That makes a lot of sense. 
All right, we're moving into the questions from a couple emails that came in. Can you share some of the software programs you have seen successfully used for the trainers and their clients? I'm thinking exercise library with YouTube videos, uh, the obvious like text and email, FaceTime for workouts, that kind of thing. I want to have some basic systems in place before I start reaching out to potential clients. And, and I like this because it gives us a few things that we can, that we can hit on specifically within this question, as well as just discuss uh, what we use and have used to communicate with clients and why, uh, and design programs, track information, et cetera. Yeah. Do, do you want to start? You want to take the lead on this one? Sure. So I think we can, we can hit individually each of the things that are being asked here. So, um, I'm thinking an exercise library with YouTube videos. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great one. It's a great place to start. Um, so it's a good opportunity if you don't have a YouTube channel to start a YouTube channel, film yourself doing exercise, whatever you're going to be programming, set a day aside, set two days aside, make a long list of all of the exercise that that you think that you might or that you do program and make technique videos of you performing those movements, compile them all into a Word document, an Excel file, a, a, a Google Doc, whatever it is, and link them up to those YouTube videos and you have an exercise database that'll be incredibly value, valuable for your future clients. I love that. And I'll say this, don't do the videos that are just you doing the exercise. Like, Don't just do a five to seven second video of just showing the exercise. This is going to take way longer, but especially if you're just starting out, and you're not comfortable on camera, you should take every exercise and do a 60 second to three minute instructional video because it's not only is it going to be better for your clients, not only is it, and, and it doesn't matter if you have zero clients right now, eventually you're going to have clients who are going to watch these videos. They're going to develop a better relationship with you. They're going to have a better understanding of the cues that you want them to pay attention to. And it's going to help you be more comfortable in front of the camera. That's how I started getting in front of the camera was just giving exercise video tutorials. I literally was looking at my YouTube last night. One of my like my bat wing row video tutorial has like over a hundred thousand views. My single leg RDL video has well over a hundred and hundred fifty thousand views. I made those back in 2012, 2013. Like they they drive a significant number of people to my YouTube channel and they stay. Even though I was terrible on camera then, it wasn't anywhere near as good as it is now. Having those videos is going to help improve your ability to speak on camera, be more comfortable on camera. So definitely, definitely take the extra time to make the videos longer, more in depth. I know a lot of people are like, oh, but like people don't want the quick content. People don't want long content. They want quick, easy, easy to consume content. Well, if that's the case, then why are you 26 minutes into a podcast right now? It's like people will watch what they're interested in. So there's nothing wrong with making a two or three minute exercise video tutorial. Yeah, if you're if if you want to combine the service to your client with potential to SEO for these exercises, then making them public, uh, making them longer, making them in depth, making them you know just better, more helpful videos is a good idea. Now that's not a two day project. That's Correct. more of that's more of a you know a, maybe a few videos per week 
project over the course of a year, you'll end up with a full exercise database. Um, I've so my exercise database is probably 10 to 15 videos like that and 130 videos, I'm guessing, that are 15 seconds of just me demoing the movement. Um, and, you know, for, for, for certain movements, for the more complicated movements, for movements that have a higher risk of injury, uh, making sure that you're fully explaining the technique and the, the proper cues is going to be extremely valuable for your clients. And, you know, honestly setting the time aside to make them all like that would be incredible. I remember when I was first making my exercise database, I wanted every video and I wanted it as soon as possible. So I went with the latter option, but either way is great. And if you're going to, if you're going to go in depth, definitely make it public um, on your YouTube, because like Jordan said, that can drive traffic in the future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, text versus email. You want to start on this one? You know how passionate I am about this one. <laughs> um, I will say, I'll start, I'll, I'll give the more like a middle of the road discussion first. If you have very few clients, we'll call it five clients or less, and or you are just a grinder and you're hungry and you want to do, and you're okay with texting at three in the morning and just being on call 24 seven, then go for it. Text your clients. If you are not either a ridiculous grinder and, or if you have more than five clients, do not text them. Um, just it's a it's a terrible idea. I'm telling you from personal experience, for with myself and with other coaches, it is a terrible, terrible idea. Uh, they'll if you give someone the the opportunity to text you, even if it's if it's with good intent, they're going to text you, and eventually it's going to get really annoying. And if imagine if you have 10, 15, 20 people texting you all the time, at, like and Mike has said this a lot, and I really like this I this mentality of it when someone texts you they have the the idea that you should have an immediate response. That's how text works. It's really quick back and forth. And then put on top of that, they're paying you. Well, yeah, now they definitely want an immediate response. And if they text you and you don't respond and they see that you're posting on your Instagram or your story, they're like, that motherfucker's definitely seen that. Why haven't they replied yet? Right? It's like, keep it to email. Please, for the love of God, keep it to email. Um, email they they generally like just by nature of it being email they don't expect an immediate response and number two is you can set the expectation of you'll reply within 24 hours or you'll reply within 48 hours whatever it is um not to mention if you're texting and emailing and dming and you have your conversations in all these different places it's hard to keep track of everything if you keep everything in one email thread with each client well then you can always go back you can always refer to what they said you can find their weight you can find the calories they ate they you can find different things from different times you can search in the in the inbox for certain conversations that you had please for the love of god do not text i mean i'll, I'll never forget when i when cuz i used to do this i used to like I used to get texts and everything and I was like, this is what I had to do. I got to over deliver, blah, blah, blah. And I vividly remember the moment that one of my clients in the UK texted me at three in the morning, my time, it was eight in the morning, their time. And they weren't being mean. They just like, oh, I text him like my weight. Cause I used to have them text me their weight and their calories in the day before. And he texted me 
and I, I lost my shit because like I had finally just fall, fallen asleep. I had definitely been up for like at least a day or so. And then I hear like the ding and I lost it. And I was like, I can't have this anymore. It's like, please avoid that at all costs. That's not your client's fault. That's your fault. Get them an email, not text. Yeah. Everything you said spot on. Um, you know, just to reiterate the, it might seem like a good idea early on when you're first starting and have a few clients. Uh, we have a, a guy in the mentorship who recently, I mean, he's, he's peaked at his number of clients. He's crushing it. And he's, he's I'm not absolutely, gonna, I'm not gonna, I sort of want to say gonna, his name. <laughs> I'm not going to blow up his name because I am going to blow up the number of clients, which is on the very high side in the 80 to 90 range. And he's- and This is all within the last year. Like he's just- Dominating. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, but on pure text and <laughs> for, for for good reason, was completely overwhelmed and and has since shifted away from text toward email. But, you know, he's a grinder of like- grinders and it's still unsustainable for all of the reasons that Jordan just mentioned, especially because the expectation with text message is uh, is shorter, high frequency back and forth. Um, and that is completely unsustainable once you have even 12, 15, 20 clients. Yeah. You'll be trying to make content like ding, ding, ding. You'll be trying to have dinner. You'll be whatever. It'll be going to sleep. doesn't matter. It'll be constant. It'll be too much. And then one client will just text you like one quick question and you're going to get pissed and then, and you're not going to reply. And then they're gonna be like, well, it was just a quick question, but they don't understand that you got 50 quick questions that day. In addition to everything, just keep it to your email, please trust us. E email, like texting because of the way it's used um, it's impossible to set that to a certain period of the day when you know that you go into your email, for example, and reply to clients or two times in the day when you know you go check your inbox and reply to clients. Almost everyone has text notifications. And if they don't, when you open your phone, you like your texts are there. You're going to be texting with people. And if clients are mixed in there, it, it isn't going to end well and it isn't necessary for the service that you're providing, which is the final point I want to make is that uh, email actually gives your clients a little more autonomy because it forces them to have a degree of independence and to think on their feet in certain situations. They know that you're not going to reply in five minutes, so they're going to have to think through whatever it is, weighing food, you know, putting together a meal at a restaurant that they think is reasonably healthy, like these little micro decisions. And then you can talk about it after you can, you can, or even before, but it it forces them to learn, which is going to make it stick, which is going to allow them to be able to be consistent with it over time. I remember I used to think that was nonsense earlier in my career. I used to think like I should be replying immediately. I should always give them an a response as quickly as possible. In my mind, I was like, well, that's what a good coach does. And I didn't realize that I was handicapping my clients. It's like if if I'm replying immediately, like clients would, would email me and they'd be like, hey, I'm feeling like I'm about to binge. And my immediate response is like, all right, well, let's do this. Like, let's make sure you're okay. When I didn't realize that helping them work through that, like having the, allowing them to go through that experience on their own and then discussing it the following day 
an email was a way better learning experience than me coming to the rescue in that moment every time. And then it would make them dependent on me instead of independently able to work and overcome it themselves. A coach's job isn't to, isn't to make your clients dependent on you. It's to help them become independent and successful on their own. Yeah. Yep. Um, FaceTime for workouts. So when, when the way that Jordan and I have coached online, have set up our businesses, help other people set up their businesses is not virtual coaching, uh, which is essentially in-person coaching, except you're live with the client on FaceTime for a number of reasons, including that it, for, for most clients, it's going to put you at a price, put them at a price point that isn't sustainable, right? Like if you think about being with someone for four hours a week, every single week, 16 hours a month, and then you're going to have to bill your coaching hourly, uh, that significantly reduces the number of people who can do coaching with you. Um, you know, in the, in the 200 to 350 a month price point range, you're not going to be on a call for an hour a day, four days a week, taking your client through their workout. You're giving them the program. You're having them send in technique videos. You're sending them uh, feedback on their technique videos. You're sending them the exercise database, obviously. Um, you're going back and forth with questions related to the workouts, but you're not in-person coaching them online. Correct. Yeah. And, and for whatever it's worth, this is a drawback of online coaching. It's a drawback in terms of, yes, it would be more ideal if you could be there in person with your client coaching them on their technique, but that's not possible, especially, you know, right now with where we are in the world, but in general, like you can't be there with every single client. Um, not to mention, I know a lot of, I know a lot of in-person coaches used to hate on online coaching being like, this is stupid. It's not going to work. Like, how can you help your client if you're not there with them? It's like, well, listen, number one, not everyone can afford in-person coaching. This is a, it's a straight up. So what, they're just not going to get any help at all. And number two is if you, if they don't do your program, then they're going to do someone else's program. They're going to find a program to do. And either you're going to do everything you can to help them be safe and efficient and effective with their technique and their programming, or they're going to go use someone else's program. That's going to have them do 200 box jumps when they're 300 pounds. And then like, they're going to blow their Achilles and hurt themselves and be out for six months. It's like, you can do incredible things online and help them without being there with them. And and I think one of the best parts that you were saying, like uh, make the exercise database so they can look at the videos and learn how to do it properly. Overemphasize, hey, start with just your body weight, start with very light weight so that, cause you know, they're probably not gonna do it properly the first time. Like who are we, like if you have someone in person, they're not gonna do it properly the first time. You teach someone in person a single leg RDL, like no way in hell are they gonna get it right the first time. It's gonna take a few sets and that's why you make sure that they use light weight. So when you, maybe you're emailing with your client, like, hey, start off with a five pound dumbbell. That's just to make sure that you're doing it properly and to make sure you're not gonna hurt yourself because you anticipate them not doing it properly. This is the things that you just have, this, these are the things that this is why I say coaching in person is essential before you start online coaching. Cause you wouldn't know that stuff if you like, you didn't coach people in person, but 
even if you're just starting out online coaching, like take every precaution necessary to keep them safe, but don't not coach people online because you, you're not there with them. That's ridiculous. And and for whatever it's worth, like if you decide you want to coach people on FaceTime or a few clients or whatever, that's totally fine. Just understand what you're giving up as a result of it, which is you're giving up a lot of time. Uh, you're probably not going to be able to, you're nowhere near going to take on as many clients. Um, and there will be a significant number of people who will not be able to afford you. I think that's one of the major things of online coaching that's so great is when you don't do these these one-on-one coaching sessions like with uh, FaceTime or whatever it is, you open up the opportunity for people who might not be able to afford you otherwise to actually get great, great science-based coaching. Yeah. And like you said, it is an option. I've coached Gary on FaceTime every single day for the last 11 months since COVID hit. But he is also like, you have to think about what you would charge for a one-on-one session in person and and use that hourly for that client. And how many, uh, say the person doesn't work out every day, say they work out four times a week, can they pay that much annually for personal training? Most people cannot. Right. Gary is a, a unique example. <laughs> it, exactly. And that's why like, it, that's why I used it too, because no one who... I coach online is one pain, <laughs> anything even close to that. And two, it's, it's a, it's a different service. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Um, Hey Mike, I absolutely love the podcast with you and Jordan. It's super helpful and I really appreciate all the info and tips question for the podcast. You guys have talked about how much you charge and typical range but can you talk about what's included monthly for each client? So I'll start by saying I, I, I have two options. They can either do training only or training plus nutrition. There was a period of time in which I also did nutrition only, but I stopped doing that because it, it just didn't make sense after a while, especially when when my training, my nutritional knowledge, my nutritional coaching, it wasn't for gut health. It wasn't for improving like your skin. It was, it was my nutrition coaching is for improving your body composition and improving your relationship with food. And when that's the goal, you don't need to make that many like adjustments throughout the way. It's, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. I could imagine that if you're working with someone who with certain allergies or you're working with someone with IBS, you're working to help them find foods that can really help work with them. That's a different style of nutrition coaching. So if that's you, then by all means, you can do nutrition only coaching. But for me, goals being performance, getting stronger, uh, developing a better relationship with food and body composition, like you'll realize that after the first month, they just, they just don't need you anymore. And so I found that doing nutrition only coaching didn't make sense for me. So I stopped doing that. And so my options were training or training and nutrition for training. It's super simple. You get a new workout every month. Um, you, if, if you're only doing training, you get a new workout every month, you send any and all technique videos that you want. I would always say, if you decide you want to send me a video of every single rep of every single set of every single exercise, I will watch every single one and I'll give you critique on every single one. There were only a couple of people who actually did that. The vast majority just sent me a couple sets of like the most important movements. Um, when they first come on as a client, I, I require them to send me a video of their squat, their bench press, their deadlift, oftentimes, and any other moves they wanted me to look at. So oftentimes it was push-ups, chin-ups, lunges, things like that. And then as we as we coach together, they would send fewer and fewer videos because they needed it less and less and less. Um, 
And then we would just talk. I would ask them, you know, how are you feeling? Like what's going on? Like I would keep track of their their personal records, uh, keep track of what their goals are. So if someone's like, I want to get my sumo deadlift stronger, that was like the main priority. If someone says I want to get my first chin up, then that was the main priority. It's just one-on-one coaching. Um, training plus nutrition is exactly that plus the nutrition component, which for me was just sending them their calories, sending them their protein. Uh, and then from there, they would send me their weight every day, their pictures every two weeks and their measurements every four weeks. And I would keep tabs on all of it. And, and my whole thing was saying, you don't need to think about anything. If you need to make a change, I will make it for you. So if you, if I think you need to change your calories, then I'll change your calories and I'll send them to you. If I think you need to change your protein, if I think you need to change something, it, I'll do that for you. That's my job. Your job is to execute. And if you have any questions, then you let me know. That's sort of what your job as the coach here is, is to take away all the guesswork for them. It's like they should never have to guess what they should be doing in their program. They should never have to guess what their calories or protein are. You should take care of all that because that's what most people struggle with. They just don't know what like what the program should be, what the plan should be. From there, it becomes relatively autonomous. And I want them to, like if they have a, a day where they're going to the gym and they feel exhausted, we'll have a conversation about it. I'll be like, listen, you feel exhausted? Lower the weights by 10, 15%, no problem. And then I sort of help them through that process until eventually they can do it on their own. And by the end of six months, eight months, 10 months, a year, many people would just stay on with me, not because they needed my help, but because they liked not having to think about, well, what's next? That's a great answer and a much more in-depth answer than I was going to give. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're we're very aligned on what we offer clients. Um, A lot of coaches and people looking to get into coaching think that clients are buying some some special thing, whether it's a, a certain method that the coach offers or whether it's a certain like concept or specialization that the coach has, when in reality, it's two things. It's one, access to you, the coach. Yep. yep. And, and and two, and and this this encompasses everything that you just described, two is help reaching the goal that they're trying to reach. And and whether that's fat loss, muscle gain, feel more confident, improve relationship with food, get stronger, you know, hit PRs, whatever their goal is, you're that's what you're quote unquote selling is your service is access to you plus helping them reach their goal. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I for whatever it's worth, there will be some people who are expecting something extravagant. I always know who I always know um, who those people are because the people who who come into my program, I'll send them their program, their first program, they'll be like, this is it. And those are almost always the people who found me on some form of social media and requested to work with me immediately. Like they had a very impulsive decision. They were like, oh, this person has this many followers. Oh, I really like this video. I'm going to sign up for coaching. And they don't know anything about me. They don't know anything about me. They just saw one video, saw one post. I really like it. Cool. Then that person will be like, wait, this is this is all I'm getting? I'll be like, yeah, that's all you're getting. You should go look at my other content. And like, okay, got it. Makes sense. Whereas the people, the best clients are the ones who follow you for a long time before really requesting to work with you, which for whatever it's worth, that can be sort of a mind fuck, right? Because it will take a long time of you posting before some of these people will ever 
decided to work with you. I had someone literally the other day say, I've literally followed you since 2017 and I'm joining the inner circle today. It's like, that's four years of following me before they decided to spend $24 and 99 cents. It's like, but that's what happens. And I guarantee that person will go in the inner circle. There's no way they're going to be disappointed because they know what I'm about. They know I'm not going to be selling like crazy supplements or ridiculous programs. It's simple. It's straightforward. It's like, that is how you, it's and sort of playing to what we were talking about earlier that's how you can sort of take the foot off the gas a little bit because you'll just keep posting, doing your thing. And eventually the people who really trust you and are loyal to you will eventually sign up. But it's not like you don't, you don't want someone to sign up just because they found you in one post. Like that person's probably not going to be your best client. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's, it's something I don't know if you and I have even discussed that much, that initial response from Thankfully, it's not very often, but small percentage I, of clients. I, yeah, I remember distinctly a client seeing their program and then immediately asking if they could also do <laughs> some other Instagram fitness person's workout because their workout was like super cool. And <laughs> I, I, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it was like, <laughs> thankfully, that's like a one in 200 kind of thing. Yeah, I will say I did get fairly frequently, especially around when I was like doing a lot of powerlifting, I got a lot of CrossFitters coming to me because, you know, CrossFit was on the rise. It was exploding and CrossFit, a huge part of their, their program was powerlifting. Like they wanted to be really strong in powerlifters. So I got a lot of CrossFit people who would come to me specifically for powerlifting, but there were CrossFit people who were training five, six, seven times a week. And they'd say, Hey, well, can I also do wads? And can I do these programs? And can I still do my CrossFit programming? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> No, you can't. And then, and I had some people get mad and leave and request a refund. And I gave them a refund. I was like, I don't want you to do my program plus another program that is already too much volume and intensity and then get mad at me that you're not making progress because you're not even doing my program. And and that's not Jordan's ego either. That's just genuinely that that's they should, should not be doing that much work. They're begging for an injury. It's like there's no reason to write them an intense program on top of them following an already overly intense program. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not to mention they're in the CrossFit community. They're in a gym with other CrossFit people. And you know they're going to be like, oh, this didn't work. Like I pulled, I hurt my back and telling other people that like, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want that. It's like, if you're going to do my program, you do my program. Yeah. And the thing that you glazed over so casually that is especially hard when someone is just getting started is, and you refunded them. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that's a tough one to, that's a tough pill to swallow, especially at the beginning. The, the 150, 200, I don't care if it's, you know, I'm charging 350 a month right now, whatever it is, refunding that amount of money is pales in comparison to the downside of the negative reputation that comes from that person saying they got ripped off by Mike because, you know, he, he wouldn't adjust my program and he wouldn't give me a refund. He was terrible. Like oh, that yeah. is, that is tens of thousands of dollars in, in damage. Oh my God. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen, we've seen it on social media, people like coming out about this coach here, there and like a lot of people been like, I had the same experience. They wouldn't refund me either. They wouldn't refund me either. It's like you avoid all of that if you just refund the couple of people who are going to ask for it, it's, it's, it's not fun. It's, I mean, I, I vividly remember I had one guy who went three months of training with me 
And I, I went, this is like earlier in my career, I was checking in with him. I was like, Hey man, how are you? Talk to me. What's going on every week checking in. And he would reply the first week after I sent him a new program and would never check in for the remaining three weeks after every single program, I would ask him for technique videos. He'd never send them. I'd ask him how it's going. He would never tell me at the end. And in the only check-ins that he did do, he'd say, I'm loving it. This is great. This is so good. At the end of three months, he was like, Hey man, I, I Part of me feels like he was drunk while he was sending these emails because it was late at night and it, the, like the they were not spelled correctly and they usually were. He was like, "Man, this I didn't get the results that I wanted. Like this is like this was a waste of money. I, I want a refund." And I was so mad. Like I, I had to go on a walk. Like I, it was like two in the morning. It was early. It was late at night. I went on a walk, let the steam cool off, and I refunded all three months. And and I was like, "Here's your money." Like and I, I said, I was like, "I just refunded you in full. Please never contact me again." It's just like this, it's, and that was $900. It was $900. I did his programming. I like put a ton of time and effort into it. But like you're saying, what if he goes off and creates a thread somewhere online that goes, whatever it is, it's like that could have saved me thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Nobody wants Jordan Syatt ripped me off Reddit post on page one. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. Just, and I've seen other coaches have that. Like, it's not good. Even in, because, you know, doing the right thing is the correct way to live. But honestly, in a situation like the one you just described, it could be argued, and I think it's probably correct, that doing the right thing is not refunding him. I agree. I don't, he didn't deserve that refund. Correct. However, that's that's just smart, long-term business acumen. That's that's patience. That's long game. That's that's the right thing in the in a business sense. Correct. I think the right, the actual like virtuous, the right way to have approached that would be to tell him to fuck off. Realistically, it's like, absolutely not. Like you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. You didn't check in with me here, here, and here. Like I'm not refunding. That would have been like the, the, I think morally, ethically right thing to do. Here are screenshots of the four times you told me everything was going really well. Like (laughs) exactly. Yeah. But from, I think sometimes, sometimes it doesn't make sense to do what's right when you're trying to build your business. Right. Yep. Yep. Good, goodwill and reputation are incredibly important. Yeah. And, and that I think a lot of people in this situation would say, yeah, the customer is always right. No, the customer is not always right. The, the customer is always right if you care about what that customer has to say. And in that instance, I absolutely did because I didn't want that customer to go off and do something like ridiculous to hurt my business. So yeah, like it, he was still wrong. Like he was wrong in every way, shape and form, but I was okay biting that bullet just with the foresight of knowing what could potentially happen. Yeah. Great. I don't think we've ever talked about that concept publicly. I'm glad we did. I'm glad that came up. This was a great episode. Thank you very much, everyone listening. We'll be back next week. Sign up for the email list. Go to the show notes. Get up the get the manual. We will be announcing when the uh, discount for the mentorship goes live. Again, it's literally hundreds of dollars off when you sign up. This is we did it only once last year, so uh, m- once maybe two to three times at most this year. So make sure you get on that list so we know when you know when you tell you when it goes live. And uh, that's it. Have a wonderful day. Have a great day. See you soon.